Yeah, hi, this is Brett White from the Being Leaders podcast, and welcome to season two. You know, I'm really excited about this season where I've been having some incredible conversations with some amazing young and emerging leaders from around the world, in Cambodia, in London, in Melbourne, in Sydney, sharing their stories, their insights, their limits, their learnings, and their challenges of their leadership journey so far. So thanks for joining us, and I know you'll get great value from these emerging, young, and inspiring leaders from around the world. Well, this week I'm chatting with Molly Taylor all the way from London. And Molly is a young leader, she's an advocate, she's a change maker, and she's been volunteering and leading since she was 12 years old. Now at 22, she continues to make an impact and make a difference in the world around her. And when she was 14, she co-founded a sanctuary in her school to provide a safe space for young people to go and hang out. She's an incredibly inspiring, resilient and purpose-driven young person and it's great to have Molly come and share part of her story and her insights around leadership, emerging leaders and making a difference. Well, welcome everybody to the Being Leaders podcast and it's great to have Molly with us all the way from London. Welcome, Molly. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. It's great to have you. Now, we kind of met randomly uh, when you were in Australia um, and I was working with Reach Foundation and you have now gone back to the UK. Tell me a little bit about your story, um, but also kind of your leadership story. I know you've been doing some leadership development and training in London. Um, So, yeah, share a little bit of your story so far. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, So I'd say that my story really began about a decade ago. So I'm about 22 now. So when I was about 11 or 12, which is quite young, um, I, you know, had really big interest in geography and I loved learning, loved education. So I really found it. I just loved helping other people in the world. And I really, when I, at that age, you kind of become aware of beyond yourself and beyond your your house and your town and things like that. And so I just was really eager to help other people in the world. And I think around this time, it was really about the Syrian refugee crisis here in Europe. Yeah. So that's what really sparked my interest. I realized that there was a lot of uh, change needs to make, be made. And so I volunteered with Save the Children um, for the Syrian refugee crisis. Um, this is how I became a little bit of a leader. You know, I uh, made my own event as a 12, 13 year old in school. Wow. Like a, <laughs> we had a Syrian refugee sleepover. So it was yeah, like a sleepover, raised money. We kind of had the same conditions yeah. as a Syrian refugee would. And that really, like, I found really like, a lot of purpose in that. And uh, then I became a co founder of a sanctuary room in my school. So, for those that are experiencing xenophobia from the terror attacks that were happening in Europe a few years later. And so, we made like a room that the safe space for these young people to come in. Bearing in mind, I was only about 14, 15 myself. So, I did have some supervision, but it was my idea. And um, they allowed me to take up that idea and thought it was really good. And I think that's also another thing worth mentioning here is that to be a young leader you need to have that support and by the elder generation and that's what I was luckily enough to have in school Um, and that kind of took off a bit and then I kind of left school and that I think that's still going on which is really cool and yeah wow that's amazing 
Yeah, yeah. I really, I, I think I always kind of forget that I did that, mm, but I yeah. think it's one of the pivotal kind of moments in my life that, you know, shows that I've been a young leader from a very young age. Mm. Um, and, you know, mental health kind of comes in when you're a bit long, younger, you know, become a teenager, things like that. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to university and study disaster management. So something along the lines of humanitarian kind of really start to mobilize that as a career but still there's something missing I didn't really know what to do so I just decided to go to Australia um luckily I did as you do (laughs) um luckily I do have some connections so I managed to go there um in hopes of a better life and of course it was once I got there it was amazing sunshine you know beautiful like walks and things like that really good for my mental health yeah Um, but again as a young person there in Australia, it's really hard when you don't have like a, a home or, you know, a very place to settle down or visa, things like that. So I was still just kind of living life to as an end to a mean, I suppose. Yeah. Just supermarket jobs, but still had that fire and energy in me to do something bigger. And that's when I started more volunteering with Red Cross Australia. And I really, really loved what they were doing and their values and similar to Save the Children it kind of brought me back in that circle of you know wanting to volunteer and be humanitarian and I managed to get on a program with um, Red X Youth which is basically a a sect of Red Cross in Melbourne and I was basically on a youth leadership group program and we would have like monthly sessions on Zoom around the world um, speaking about the national board and how we can get young emerging leaders to like connect with the national board um to make that gap a little bit less I suppose and I was really grateful to be a part of that because I wasn't from Australia but I knew I had that drive and experienced some similar things back in the past and I was a social media content creator voluntary for them and all of these roles were voluntary because I just loved doing what I was doing and I wanted to become a change maker and you know it was obviously obviously throughout my whole life there's been some sort of that drive but always came back to that and Um, I think that was something I really loved doing. Um, But then again, I was becoming 20, 21, didn't really still know what I wanted to do. Still something along the humanitarian sector, but education is quite expensive. Mm. I wasn't a citizen. Um, And then I came across Reach, um, your previous job last year. And that was really amazing. I think that opened my eyes up to something completely new. I'd never really wanted to work in youth sector just mainly the charity side of things. And then when I came up to that interview, that really opened my mind and saw amazing, all these amazing young people and just the openness there. And I thought, you know, this is something I would really, really like to do, speak to a young, like-minded young people similar to me. And yeah, so I kind of had that in the back of my mind. Obviously I couldn't take the position, but I still had that. And I was like searching up on Google and jobs in the UK, you know, what is this? You know, how can I get into this? And I came across something called Reach Out UK. So very similar, which is hilarious. (laughs) Yes. Almost (laughs) happened, to be honest. I applied when I was in Australia, actually, and got through to the next stages. And it's basically a uh, project leader. So for young people like myself who want to get into facilitation, youth sector, um, it's kind of stepping stone in just five hours a week. And you get you basically handed like you get all the skills and you get training and then you're handed it all over to you. And it's just very much onboarding, um, very much hands on. And I did mine on Zoom. So 
Um, when I got back to the UK, I had something lined up, didn't mm. know what to expect. I was very, very scared, actually, because my my mentees were year five and six. So yeah, quite wow. young. Um, I, I really wanted to work with people my age or 18 year, year olds. Yeah. But you know, it, it kind of having that opportunity really changed my perspective. And I'm really glad I got those young people because I was able to implement change into their life. And, you know, Reach Out UK is for um, helping these disadvantaged young people become happy and healthy. And I think if I was able to help these year five and six, who knows, they could be the next me in 10 years' time. Um, definitely- yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you said before that you kind of started volunteering when you were like 11 or 12 and then had, you know, co-founded the safe space when you were like 14. So, you know, why not mm. get our young people at an earlier age to actually help shape their kind of thinking before they become sort of teenagers? Exactly. I know. And, you know, I started to, I just finished the sessions now after six months, but honestly, their development has been amazing. And some of them even want to become project leaders now. Yeah, so that wow. shows you that even in 10 years time, they still have that in the back of their head. And that will be a really memorable part of their, you know, their childhood. And mm-hmm. I'm really glad that I got that. Um, and luckily enough, you know, um, after being like hardworking with that and really caring about the charity and the young people, I've managed to score myself a, a more permanent role with them. So I suppose awesome. this is probably my second paid position now as um, a young emerging leader, which is quite, um, it's really quite um, a proud moment, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, I mean, um, the the term emerging leaders, um, you know, a term that gets kind of used quite a bit uh, in these this day and age. And obviously this whole podcast series is all about, you know, how do we, you know, support and empower um, and release emerging leaders? I'm just sort of curious, everybody sort of has a different take on what is an emerging leader? Well, I would feel like everyone's an emerging leader in my headspace. It's just yeah. that they have I'm aware that they are. Okay. So, you know, I come across this podcast and think, oh, that actually resonates with me. And actually, therefore, I'm an emerging leader. I think it's just someone that kind of makes, wants to have that drive and change. And is just working, even if it's small steps like I was, you know, like even yeah. volunteer over 10 years, that's an emerging leader. Or it doesn't even have to be in the charity sector or volunteering. It could just be, uh, you know, in their own town or village or um, in their university or just someone that's just kind of taking that initiative and that drive to what they want to do, I think and um, to be outspoken about it and um, that's what I I would say about that and yeah I do have the belief that everyone has that kind of drive to be that leader I don't think that you're kind of born a leader as such I think um, everyone just takes different paths and then you know I might have found mine earlier than others but that doesn't mean to say that someone else down the road would not find it in 20-30 years and realize that so yeah that's something that I would probably say yeah, it's interesting because I, I I would agree with you. I also think what you were saying about, you know, taking initiative, I think that's when the kind of, you know, that the, that leadership kind of space really begins to take hold. You know, I do feel like there's a lot of young people are hesitant, um, you know, to take that step. Um, you know, even some of the conversations that I've had, there's a hesitancy to even call myself a leader, I feel fine with a lot of young people and I you know because of I think some of the the stereotypes of what you know what a leader has to be or do or etc um but I definitely feel it's in us all um and what would you say to young leaders 
that are, you know, they're sitting there with this kind of, you know, dream in their heart, this fire in their belly, this idea in their in their mind to make a difference. Um, but they're but they're hesitant. They're sitting back. They're fearful. How yeah. do you how do you encourage young people to to use their voice and take that initiative? I think exactly what you just said is use your voice. To be honest, yeah. okay. And, uh, really, just you know, it's scary. I've been there. I mean, still today, I get imposter syndrome. That's <laughs> comes across my mind all the time but you know here I have loads of opportunities around me that are obviously alarming me that I'm doing the right thing and I'm on the right path so if they have those similar kind of you know volunteering opportunities or connections like yourself like I have and you know um all of those things then I'd say that that's definitely an indicator on the right path Mm. but I would definitely say like also start off small and keep building on your experiences because experience is huge I mean I don't have a degree yet and I've got these opportunities just based on connection and experience and having that inner drive. And they can really tell if you have that inner drive. And I think, yeah, just so, and in order to showcase the inner drive, you need to use your voice. And I think you made an important point about the stigma around leader. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that you have to always call yourself a leader. I yeah. think if you know it within yourself, then that will truly the you know those um, kind of characteristics will come out and people will pick up on it and you'll realize that you start to surround yourself with similar like-minded people um yeah so i just uh, again just reiterating that start off small and unfortunately in this kind of world now you have to kind of search for opportunities it's not yeah. like handed you on a plate and so it does take it's a very tedious long journey you have to like constantly go on websites search things do applications things like that but the more you keep doing that, the more you get used to that kind of journey and it becomes second nature. And you find things that you never come across before. Like, I mean, a few months ago, I, I just searched on UK Youth. It's just a national youth organisation, charity. And I just searched UK Youth Opportunities and a lot of them are paid for. I wasn't experienced that for that yet, but I found that there was a volunteer opportunity and now I was selected for, um, it's called the National Youth leadership group and it's to do with UK loneliness and so they do much around that and I only got that three months ago and so now I'll be able to start leading policy and things like that and obviously that goes inside my degree now so it's small things like that and I know that's voluntary it's only one hour a month which is doable but those little things that start building up is what gets you to the next level and And so I I think and a lot of those volunteering spaces actually then give you the networks and the connections and the relationships with people that can help lead to other things exactly right that's exactly right so as a young leader, and I'm going to call you a leader because I think you are, um, as a young leader, what, what's been some of your biggest challenges? I mean, you know, particularly, I guess, you know, when you started to use your voice, you started to step up, you were, you know, over the last sort of four or five years, what's, what's been some of your big challenges? Yeah, well, um, actually, before I came to university um, a few months ago, I didn't know that I was actually from a marginalised background. Okay. Uh, You know, I kind of thought, you know, that, you know, I have some income, you know, I have okay mental health, um, things like that, just general background. But actually, I was fitting into the um, kind of category of marginalised, low income kind of background of the UK. And I didn't know that really. I mean, that's probably a good thing that I didn't yeah. kind of know that, didn't didn't experience the, too much of the side effects of it. 
but now that I think about it, it did definitely hinder my experiences and my background and just the knowledge of how it's always that how do I get there it's not like oh I know I know what to do mm. I know I have the skills it's like how do I get to the next step and I think a lot of young people like you just mentioned will be thinking the same thing and so yeah over the last five six years I definitely have noticed that I've been a bit disadvantaged in in um, some previous years at school and education. For example, I wasn't taught how to a- apply things. I wasn't taught how to apply my skills in interviews, things like that, which are yeah. really, really um, important for, you know, showcasing your amazing experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I just didn't know what opportunities were out there. So I had all this drive and passion doing geography and wanting to be a humanitarian aid worker and having some save the children things behind me. But I just didn't know what it was called. You know, I didn't know that there was a project leader program with Reach Out. <laughs> I didn't know that there was like UK youth. You know, I didn't know all of these amazing, amazing opportunities. And unfortunately, I've just had to find it for, by myself, literally. Yeah, yeah. So, I go to career advice and stuff and they're like, you know, use your degree, use your um, academic experience and you can go and be a diplomat or something yeah. like that. That's not something I want to do. Um, and I say, I want to work with youth. Well, you should have done a different degree. That's not <laughs> what I think, you know. Um, so it's definitely just trying to find those opportunities, I think, has found really difficult. So like I mentioned with the UK youth, I've literally had to literally st- search through the sticks and find it. Um but also just the self-confidence. I might sound quite self-confident here and knowing that my leader, and like you said, calling me a leader is amazing. Thank you. But it is still having that imposter syndrome every now and then still having that confidence that, you know, you see other people in the charity sector and they're amazing. They've done so many different things, but um, I think I often have to remind myself just to come back to calm, come back to the present moment and kind of tell myself, you know, look at how, what I've done in the last 10 years. I wouldn't have known that when I was 11 years old and look how far I'm now and see how I can do that in another 10 years um, and kind of just bring myself back and be like, everyone's on a different journey and it's okay to go around A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, all that different route rather than A, B. Um, mm. And yeah, just there's just been several things, I think. So mainly the biggest ones were marginalised background, not really knowing where the opportunities were, or how to apply to them and also self-confidence but like I said just by, by building up your experiences smaller and smaller every time you'll slowly build like the um public speaking like I have and yeah. the facilitation skills and you know with the reach out project I've been doing I wouldn't have ever been able to write, make lessons and things like that without those um amazing train training sessions so yeah just um those type of things, yeah. It's interesting. One of the things that really struck me um, when when we did the interview with you last year in Sydney was your level of resilience. Um, mm-hmm. Just it really struck me like, wow, you know, you had had so much resilience that despite whatever was going on around you or what had happened to you or even, you know, imposter syndrome, what we think about ourselves, you, you just came across very resilient with a, with a, you know, a passion to be able to, you know, move forward and get beyond all of that stuff. And I think that's that's something that I believe, you know, young people need to, I guess, learn and hold on to, um, you know, is is building that that sense of resilience because we, we, we get knockbacks, we get frustrations, we get disappointments, we get let down. Um, we have to, we have to build that, 
level of resilience so that we can keep going because we don't know what's around the corner. Mm-hmm. And all those things that you talked about as challenges, you know, not knowing what to do or where to go or who to turn to and getting direction and self-confidence, for me, uh, you've demonstrated anyway from what I can see just a really high level of resilience, which I think is really brave and really amazing for a young person. And, you know, if I could if I could pass that message on to other young people, yeah, yeah resilience does require a certain level of courage. I, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy. Um, I mean, at any age, let's be honest. But mm-hmm. is, is there a, something that you could add to that in your kind of reflection of what it what it was that actually gave you that kind of level of resilience? Yeah, I feel like it's just loads of different um, things that have happened in my life, like you said, that have taken its toll at points, but it's the ability to get back up again and keep on going and then use those um, previous experiences for the next one and having that kind of alarm about you um, ready for the next thing that might try to overthrow you. I mean, yeah. I think there was some several times in Australia where that kind of built up my resilience. I went to Australia by myself um, when I was 18 years old, very fresh out of school, yeah. um, not much money. I did have some connections, which is why I was able to go there, um, feeling safe, yeah. but very much alone, um, working full time just in a supermarket in Australia, in a beautiful country, not really <laughs> <laughs> too much. Um, but then also getting a visa rejected, despite you know my family being there and um like basically having all of the the requirements and that was really big toll that kind of hit me quite hard but you know kind of matured me quite well and you know that kind of led me into different paths and I kind of just had to deal with it and move back to UK and that was quite a sad thing for me because I spent three time three years of my life in Australia at that point and I was so in love with the country and so Mm. ready to you know do education there even if it took so much of my strength and money and things like that um but yeah when I came back it was quite surreal that I did come back Mm. but like you said that those little kind of bumps along the journey a little they were quite big at the time um (laughs) definitely have taught me that resilience and now looking back I wouldn't have changed it for the world I think and yeah I think what you're right uh, what you said about resilience is that's probably one of the key words here when we talk about leadership and it's funny because I think a lot of the time I don't feel like I am resilient as much as other people say, but I think that's what a lot of leaders go through actually is that kind of, again, that lack of self-confidence or wondering, you know, am I resilient? Um, but yeah. I think when someone thinks like that, they actually don't realize that they're making more change than they believe. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's yeah very important to be resilient and it's okay if you don't feel like you are as yes. well. Um, I think that in a way that is a good thing, but um, you can definitely learn from those, you know, feeling like that. And I felt like that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. Um, in in your journey, have you know, you talked a little bit about imposter syndrome. That's come up with quite a few of uh, the young leaders that I've been speaking to. Were there limits that you or maybe other people kind of put on your journey that, that hindered your development as a leader? Mm, Again, it wasn't so much other people. It was more just my own journey, lack of direction, especially from a disadvantaged background. Um, And then kind of mental health, 
that sense of you like youth loneliness which is funny because I'm working on now yeah. and because of those mental health and yeah feeling lonely and things like that then it turns into imposter syndrome yeah uh, so I think that if I didn't have a if I didn't have a, a kind of a problem with lack of direction and I didn't have some mental health um, concerns then I would have been completely felt like my development wouldn't have been hindered yeah and unfortunately that does come up quite a lot um, I've been reading and listening to um, but yeah I think again it was funny because a few weeks ago months ago I just came across something on LinkedIn and it was called Upreach Programme and I was like oh what's this I've seen some fellow undergrads doing that so I looked on it and applied and basically this Upreach Programme is for disadvantaged young people like myself that were predicted very good grades at school but didn't because of their marginalised background and so we get onto the programme and they teach us how to write CVs, they teach us how to write resumes, how to apply to internships, how to apply to these programmes and big charity sector and things like that. And I get mock interviews for me. Mm. I never had that in, before yeah, yeah. in my life. And I think that's definitely been the pivotal change of the last few months for me because it's given me that sense of direction. I have a mentor now who's helping me through, guide me. And in turn, it's also helped my mental health because I realise there's so many opportunities out there for myself and now I'm like my imposter syndrome is going every single day so yeah it would definitely be those two things that I think hindered my development yeah it's good and it's good to have the the awareness around that now um because that will actually help you continue to make progress and move forward I mean I don't think you know necessarily ever get over imposter syndrome I think you know I'm a 50 something year old leader and I still doubt myself and question myself and go you know who am I to be doing this surely there's other people out there who are better right but I think the awareness around it just gives you the ability to be able to think differently to you know the way you talk to yourself and the questions that you ask yourself and having some of those people around you that are so imperative to your journey as a leader as a young person and even for me I still have a mentor and I still you know get coaching like you know because it's Absolutely critical um, because having someone's perspective on you just adds life and value, I think, um, because so often the perspective we have on ourselves is not accurate. <laughs> Definitely not, but yeah. Um, so we're sort of talking about sort of the sort of stepping into the kind of senior leader. I'm, one, of the, one of the things I'm super curious about is, you know, what do young leaders feel that senior leaders either need to do better when it comes to developing emerging leaders? Um, what might have been more helpful, you know, to you looking back? You know, and what what would you like to tell, like, senior, you know, leaders, maybe, you know, senior leaders in organisations, in companies, in not-for-profits that, that young leaders need or need to be done differently or better from your experience and perspective? Yeah, sure. I actually think I've been in this boat myself as a senior leader to the young mentees that I've mentored um, for Reach Out UK. Um, And it's funny because I've written a list here and, you know, spoken about um, I want uh, senior leaders to speak about their experiences on their own journey. You know, how how they got A to B literally in so much detail, because I want to follow a similar journey to that or have some inspiration because I haven't had that. And then also just being open and communicating with, you know, don't call us senior leaders versus 
emerging leaders like why is that you know something like that but we should like kind of reduce that gap and be a community of you know inspiring or aspiring leaders I think yeah, I love that um, mm. having that communication between the two is really good but let's go back to uh how I was a senior leader um I was mentoring these young 12 young people and you know it was about session 14 and they have mentors in our group so they kind of have one-to-one little time with their mentors and I'm just the kind of facilitator and they knew a little bit about me but bearing in mind this was 14 session they should have known a bit more about me than you know they really did and one of the little mentees popped their hand up and said you know how do you become a project leader I really want to become a project leader and I was like oh I've actually not told them how I became a project leader so you know next week I'll give you a PowerPoint on how I got to where I am today from starting from your age so about year five and six about 10 11 um all the way until now and so I did my little PowerPoint and I realized how much things I have done and how much I missed out on when I was teaching them and facilitating with them and I showcased it to them and they were truly like so in awe of it and but so like it didn't put them off it actually inspire them even more and it's because I was communicating with them and it was because I was showing them my experiences on the journey that I had experienced and at that point in time you could call me a senior leader because you know these little ones were inexperienced and I think that's kind of just popped in my brain now and I thought I might tell you that because it's funny looking at the perspective and realizing that was a mistake I probably made but you don't realize you do those mistakes, you know, yeah. you don't realize you miss these small things out that could change someone's life and change someone's path. So definitely providing more resources and experiences on their journey would be helpful. And just being more open to communicate with young people. Yeah, that's what I would say. I, I think, um, you know, that idea around the story is so important, such a great piece of gold in this conversation it's not something that's really come up um, in that kind of language but I'm yeah I'm I really I can just feel my heart racing because I think it's such a powerful way for a leader um, to lead and that's share your story Um, you know be because what that you know because one of the words that has come up a lot is vulnerability Um, and Mm -hmm. so you know leaders being prepared to be vulnerable um, as a senior leader uh, and empathetic and connecting. And I think what better way to be all of those things than by sharing part of your story, being honest about your journey, because there's a that's a, there's a vulnerability piece there um, because I'm sure every leader's journey has got its ups and downs and highs and lows. And so by sharing your story, you are connecting. Everyone loves story. I mean, stories are powerful. They they connect us worldwide. They connect us, you know, in, in our, in, we love to read or go to the movies or, you know, escape in story. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a great thing for senior leaders to grab hold of um, that are listening to this. Uh, and I know I'm going to take that, that piece for sure and, and, and use that in my conversations to other leaders because our stories are powerful. Um, and to tell my story is going to require me to be a, some a bit vulnerable, empathetic. It's also going to require me to connect at a different level because our stories are emotional. They're life. They're you know they're not not just this head information. Um, so yeah, I I love that idea. Um, so yeah, senior leaders out there, 
Well, not that we want to call you senior leaders, but all you leaders that have been around the block a few times, share your story. Um, yeah, it's great. Any other gold insights like that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say as like a, a learning lesson or greatest learning lesson would be, you know, just starting off small and really build it up. Um, I think I've kind of showcased that already, but that's all I could probably say again to emerging young leaders or other leaders um, around the world is just start off small, keep building up your experiences. And, you know, I volunteered for half a decade or if not a decade um, without getting paid. And it wasn't about the money. It was because I love doing what I do. And I just, you know, I had that drive and passion and you can get there if you do that, I think, um, by starting off small. And I've shown that. So, yeah. 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 How important do you think mentoring is in the journey of a young leader, having a mentor or or a coach? Yeah, that's really um, a good question. Um, I think I've only just got a mentor over the past few months, actually, after all of these years and definitely is... um, life-changing I think everyone needs one like Mm. you said like you 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 know see past yourself again um yeah I think it's really important really imperative um and yeah I just like having that you know that side person that kind of um redirection that you know your direction or not even redirects you doesn't put on that kind of hinge on you it's more just about Make it, helping you flourish as a person so if you want to change your mind they'll help you change your mind things like that and I think like we mentioned earlier is that I did have that lack of direction so it's quite new for me to have this person that kind of helps me direct in the right in the right way yeah um so I really like that I think it is worth getting if you can afford it or if there's a volunteer or um kind of yeah free mentor around definitely would encourage it as well and I think, too, one of the keys with that is, I mean, there's there's a lot of different types of mentoring, um, but one of the keys to that is, I think, something that you said earlier, you, you have to search, you have to take the initiative, you've got to ask. Um, yeah. You know, I have a number of young people that I mentor uh, in different kind of fields and, and genres, both in um, Australia and in Cambodia, and I mentor them because they asked. Um, and you know, they probably thought, oh, he's probably too busy. He probably won't want to do it. And they approached me and goes, would you be interested in doing some mentoring with me? And yeah. And so, yeah, taking that initiative, ask, search, um, find a way, um, to get someone who can help speak into your life in, in certain ways, particularly, um, you know, if, if you are, got that desire to be a change maker, to create change, to be a voice, uh, to be a leader as a young person, then I think having a mentor is is really important part of that journey. Um, mm. I am curious about something else that's just sort of popped into my head. I know we're nearly out of time, but one of the things I notice in organisations, and I'm not sure whether you've had um, much exposure to that is the way that an organization identifies potential leaders um, tends to a lot of the time be around, you know, who's the most popular, who's the most confident, who's the most outspoken. And I am concerned that a lot of organizations miss out on their best leaders because they're the quiet. Sometimes the best leaders are the quiet ones, um, the introverts, the softly spoken 
Um, do you like what's your take on that? Because I think something has to change. I'm because I, I, I feel like we end up with this same type of leaders in organizations. Um, mm. Whereas I feel like we're missing out on the input and uh, inspiration and creativity of a whole different sort of leader. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I definitely have seen, now you mentioned it, I definitely have seen remnants of it. Um, but as I am an emerging leader myself in that space, it's kind of hard to differentiate between different people in terms of, for example, so um, Reach Out UK just recently had an award ceremony for all of the, you know, the young leaders and things. And obviously only a, only a few people were actually chosen as for an award but it doesn't mean to say that no one else is you know uh got is award worthy things like that yeah um but it's funny because you know you think are those people that are being chosen for awards are they you know because they have the skills because they have the experience because they're worth it you know for get that award or is it because like you said popular things like that um, and it's funny because, you know, I'm quite outspoken person. Uh, I say that I'm quite sociable. So I'd say that not on the popular end, but definitely out there. Yeah. Um, but also very good at my role. And yeah. so it kind of made me question, like, am I one of those people? Like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's hard. I think it's hard to hard to kind of tell when you're an emerging leader. But maybe when, you, like yourself, an outside person or someone that works in a different part of the charity or different part of the role. Yeah. Could tell that but as an emerging leader it's it's a bit difficult to tell that I think do you um, feel like at times though there is pressure for you to be like like that you know the popular yeah I think when you have the experiences like myself um building up slowly you know if you have a gap in your resume or something like that <laughs> it's like, where did that go you know where why didn't you do that you know uh, when I tell people about Australia and stuff and tell them I wasn't actually able to do much to do with what I do now it's a bit like oh okay did you have like a change of heart or something like that um so yeah there was a little bit of pressure I think um but as I've come on like kind of a, the route of what through volunteering through connections rather than through a degree through a job I think that I like you said earlier I'm more resilient to um, that pressure, um, yeah. and kind of well, happy journey. You've certainly had to work hard, yeah, to get to where you are, and I I admire that about you. And again, I, that would be an encouragement I give to other young people. Um, you know, if you want something and you want to make a difference, it, it does require something from us. We have to work hard at it. We can't just. You know, we, we try something and then it doesn't work and so we give up. And, you know, there has to be that sense of, yeah, it's got to cost me something, um, you know, in my life. I've, I've got to give up some stuff, whether it's time or, you know, uh, other things that other people might be doing. Um, as I say, like I do admire that about your, you know, you have this, you know, tenacity of work ethic, which I think is brilliant. And, and that's, you know, why I think you will be more and more successful as a leader um, as you grow and develop and evolve. And I think we're all evolving, right? Um, mm. You know, it's a word I'm trying to use more these days as opposed to an emerging or an experienced leader is just an evolving leader. Because I think whether you're 16, 22 or 56, we're mm. all evolving. 
Um, yeah. And we all still need to evolve as leaders. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so thank you. thank you so much for hanging out and having an amazing chat, some great insights. Um, and I know that people will be really encouraged and hopefully challenged and inspired um, by some of your story and some of your insights. Any kind of final last words to the world out there? Yeah, just uh, thank you for bringing me on this podcast, I suppose. And yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. And again, starting off small is not so bad after all. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Great. Well, thanks so much, Molly. And you take care of yourself. 